Hey y'all, I'm Damon Oates, founder of Deco Exchange. Who else has heard that crafting is just a hobby? I turned my love of crafting into a thriving multi seven-figure company, surrounded myself in an amazing community, and met some amazing business owners along the way. I'm here to show everyone that makers mean business. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Makers Mean Business podcast. This is episode five, and today we're going to visit with our friend Clara. Clara was able to leave her corporate job and become a maker full-time. Clara's story is a great example of how you have to adapt as your business grows, and just because something started your journey, it doesn't mean it has to be the whole journey. Y'all, let's get Clara in here. All right, so Clara, can you uh, introduce yourself a little bit and tell us who you are, what you sell? So I'm Claire Nicole. Uh, she's Crafty2, T-O-O, so everybody more than likely knows me as that, uh, but I also am a storefront owner, and it's called Creators Clubhouse here in San Antonio, Texas. So I originally started with uh, making home decor for my own home and then jumping on Facebook Live and teaching people how to create decor as well with uh, items that you can find you know, in your neighborhood store, Hobby Lobby or Michaels or wherever. And then I gravitated towards having a storefront um, once I started paying attention to people asking, you know, where I got my clothing and all of that stuff. So I'm kind of like in between what my identity is right now, since I'm not really making a lot of home decor, but the boutique site is doing very well. And it's interesting that you went from online to a brick and mortar when most people do it the other way. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, cause I started doing Facebook lives and, you know, opening a brick and mortar store, obviously you want to get the, the foot traffic of the local community, but I've been able to, you know, get the, the traffic from both by having the Facebook following that I already had, uh, for, you know, my own brand and then from the storefront as well. So has it always just been easy for you to sell products or did you, is it something that you had to learn and get used to? Uh, I think naturally just who I am as a person, I've been able to sell products. I mean, even from being a young kid, I mean, my story goes back, you know, to elementary school where I was hustling friendship bracelets and selling them and hiring my cousins to do the work and providing the materials for them and taking a cut. So I've been told that I can sell, you know, ice to Eskimos. And I think when you've got a passion for what you're selling and you believe in the product and it's part of your brand, I think it's so much easier to sell a product to people. Um, and especially when they see that you're wearing it and it's something that they are used to seeing you wear and cover and show and all of that, they begin to start wanting the product as well. Yeah. So if you could go back to when you first started selling stuff, what was one thing that you would change about your original business with all the things that you know today? Oh, gosh. What's one thing I would change about my original business? Um, just not being, I, I mean, at some point you start not being scared, but I think I was still scared in the beginning to really show people who I was and, and all of that, um, you know, kind of hiding out in the stores because back then when Facebook started, uh, we didn't know if we were going to get told to leave a store or whatever, but just building relationships with those stores that we were promoting, um, you know, also their companies as well saying, hey, we're going to use those products and stuff. I think I would have just been more bold and been more like, hey, they either say yes or no, or they escort me out the building. I mean, it got to the point where the managers at Kirkland's loved when I walked in the store because I would rearrange the front area 
and you know pull all the products and then show you guys hey this is what we pulled from kirkland's and you could grab this this and this and here's your whole halloween setup uh so i think that's what i would you know change is just don't be scared you know the worst that's going to happen is you're going to get a no and know who your what your brand is and who you're trying to sell to and um don't shift your business unless that's where you're really going, not to just be doing what everybody else is doing. Definitely agree with that. I mean, it kind of relates back to the podcast that we did previously about imposter syndrome and not thinking that you can ask for it just because you're just starting out. And it's one of those things where you don't know if you don't try. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, right now I have people asking me uh, to carry their products in the store um, and I've had to say no, because it doesn't fit with what I'm wanting to carry in the store, or I just don't feel like testing it out for a year or whatever. Uh, so everything that I have in my store, I personally, I know the company, I know the face behind it. I know their story. And a lot of it is local from San Antonio. So it's, it's a lot of local based um, businesses that I support and, you know, just bringing in any of the product, it's, it's something I really have to test out myself and be behind it 100%. Of course. So for someone that's just starting their business, could you give them three tips to make it easier? Uh, don't be scared to uh, save, I mean, not save money, uh, spend money. Because, you know, this business, any business is expensive. I can tell you, it's, you know, when I look at how much the store has made versus how much I've spent, it's, you know, it might be a while before you're really rolling in the dough, I guess, you know. Um, so that would be one tip is don't be afraid to spend money. Uh, make sure you get legit. I cannot tell you how many times people say they're making stuff just as a hobby, but if you're a hobby, then why are you taking people's money? So, you know, I think they're scared because they think they got to pay this enormous amount of taxes. Um, which is not true at all. You're only going to pay taxes on what you actually sell. So I would say get legit from the very beginning, get your tax license, get your DBA, um, get your Facebook and everything you can, you know, for your social media, make sure everything matches up, you know, your email, your Facebook, your Instagram, everything. Um, and also believe in yourself because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to think of your business as a hobby. They're not going to be your supporters, your friends and your family. And there are going to be those few that do support you that are your friends and your family, but they might not always buy from you. So as long as you know that this is what you want to do and it's your passion and it's your goal, then know that you're going to have a lot of obstacles um, financially and physically with people in your life that are going to tell you, what are you doing? What would you consider the biggest uh, win in your business right now? Um, right now in my business would be, I would have to say the obvious is getting on TikTok um, because I have struggled since I've opened my store to get that foot traffic locally because I ship all over the US and that's because of the Facebook following I have. So naturally on Facebook, everybody's on there from everywhere and it's not always just San Antonio. Uh, but my business, the storefront has sustained itself because I've been able to ship all over the U.S., but it's getting people to come physically into the store that pass by it and they don't think it's a church. They don't think it's the old thrift store that it used to be. Uh, so going on TikTok and doing that video that kind of showed, you know, my story of how I left AT&T and pursued my dreams and, you know, now my business is where it's at and literally putting on that one piece of paper that. I have a boutique in San Antonio. I cannot tell you 
since the past seven days, how many people are coming in from the community that live around the corner, that live two streets away, that live, you know, across the highway. And they never knew I was here. So I think that's the biggest um, win right now is getting that local traffic from San Antonio that I've been really, really trying to pursue for the past year and getting them in the door is that TikTok video. So on that TikTok video, did I said TikTok, TikTok. That, <laughs> that TikTok video, did you put a hashtag of San Antonio or something so they knew it was local? I don't think I did, but on one of the sheets of paper that I used to tell my story, it did, it did say San Antonio. San Antonio. Yes. Okay. And a lot of people are commenting, yay, the 210, or I'm in San Antonio, or I'm in, you know, the little suburbs around. And uh, like I said, since I started my TikTok seven days ago, I'm asking people, so how did you hear about the store? And they're like, we found you on TikTok. And I'm like, wow, it's literally all TikTok right now. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing a spike in your Instagram or anything yes. like that from TikTok? Yes, all my social medias, they're all connected to my TikTok. Um, so I have my Instagram for the She's Crafty 2, which was my original brand, and the Creators Clubhouse. Those are all connected. Also the Facebook as well. Um, I have that in the bio too, that you can also follow me on these Facebook pages. So I've seen all my social medias go up. My Shopify is getting a lot of traffic. I'm getting uh, a lot of orders every day that, mm, you know, wasn't the norm. So the TikTok has really increased sales all over the place to where we are, we're ridiculously busy. So do you have any new big surprises on the way or any big changes coming to your business soon? Um, Damon, I honestly don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, <laughs> but I do. I, I would like my business to eventually be where maybe I have a warehouse for um, product and I'm not storing it here on, you know, shelves. Um, I think once I start doing a lot more Facebook lives and being consistent with the schedule of here's our Facebook live schedule for the week, it's three times a week and people get used to that. Um, I think, I think I see a lot of success coming with that because, you know, I watch other boutiques, you, you know, you watch the competition, but you also watch what's working for them. What's not working for them. Just the same way people are watching me. Right. Uh, and I see that they're on a schedule and you know, when you're on a schedule and you're consistent, people get used to that almost like a TV show, you know, every day of the week that it is, you know, their favorite. So I hope to be able to have a warehouse where, you know, I can order a hundred shirts of one style and it's gone within seconds on my life. Cause I know it's possible for me if I see it happening for other people. Yeah. I mean, one of our really good friends has an online boutique and she does just what you're talking about. She just has a warehouse behind the scenes and she sells out like that. So it's totally doable. Yes. I see people that don't even have storefronts and it's just, they're just selling out of their living room and it looks like a boutique. So if a listener wanted to find out more information about you or your products, where's the best place to find you online? On Facebook, they can find me on two different places. So Claire Nicole, she's crafty too, T-O-O and Creators Clubhouse is the storefront same um, handles on Instagram. And then on TikTok's a little different. I'm only promoting the storefront. Um, I don't want to really get my personal brand out there because I'm just trying to push the store right now. And on there, they're going to see the life of the boutique behind the scenes of what it is to be a store owner, you know, an employee, the, you know, 
Luna Baluna, the the store mascot, you know, so we're always trying to incorporate uh, as funny as the skits might be, we're always in trying to incorporate the clothing and items that we have. So they can find us on TikTok there as well under Creators Clubhouse SA um, to see the behind the scenes of a store. Yeah. So you said Creators Clubhouse. And remind me, the store wasn't always a boutique though, right? So what was it b- before? So it's um, the first location that I opened, I think was only 1200 square feet. So that like was, a, it was like a closet. Yeah. It was like a, maybe your closet, but it was, uh, you know, supposed to be where I was going to have classes and where I would do my lives and basically to get out of my house, because as you know, it's very easy to have ribbon explode in your home and mesh and everything. Right. So I needed to get out of my house. Uh, and I started out with t-shirts first, cause I always wear cute t-shirts, you know, that are motivating. And so people started asking, I, you know, I decided, well, let me just start carrying t-shirts, a little bit of jewelry here and there. And, you know, product, of course, you know, ribbon and stuff like that. But I outgrew it in, by the end of the one year contract. And then we moved into our current location, which is 2,500 square feet. It took us six months to remodel, but we were still selling out of it. And so the original idea was to have it as a boutique, but also as a DIY place where people can book classes, um, maybe even have their, you know, girls party here and, you know, do a sign class or do a wreath class or whatever. But that, you know, with everything that happened so quickly, you know, within six months time, it's like, hey, the world's shutting down, you know. So we haven't been able to have classes or anything. And I honestly don't know what the direction of the store is going to be, you know, two weeks from now, a month from now. Um, I, the store has transitioned to where you can obviously tell that there are no more tables to design on except my table when I want to do a live. So, um, and I think that's just me personally gravitating towards being a full blown boutique, but also still being able to, um, attract my audience as the original me, which is, you know, still doing decor and all of that on a Facebook live or a TikTok live, which I haven't done yet creating something. Yeah. So I think that's important to just point out because all of our businesses, as we grow, shift a little bit, you know, just because we have this original great idea, doesn't mean it's going to be our always idea. Mm-hmm. Like I'll never forget saying I'll never sell supplies. And now we have 15,000 square feet of supplies. Yes. I think it's important to, like I said, stay true to yourself and don't just pivot your business because that's what everybody's doing. I've seen people try to sell clothes because everybody's selling clothes, but I'm able to model my clothes. I'm able to touch the product um, and feel it and know the quality and tell people this is how it's it fits if it's, you know, bigger or smaller or not true to size or whatever. So um, I think it's important to, you know, still tr- stay true to yourself. And if your business is, is going to pivot, people can tell that that's a gradual, you know, pe- people can notice that in me right now. Like, Clara, are you ever going to make wreaths again? I'm so happy for you that you're doing this, but we missed that side. Um, but they've noticed the the change in the shift in the business and they're going along for the ride, you know. I think what's important that you've shown, though, is you did stay true to yourself. What you're selling today is what you wore when you built your personal brand. So it's not like you shifted to something completely different as a money shift. You shifted into what you love and what you represent. Yes. And like I said, people can see that they've 
the head wraps, you know, they're vibrant, they're very Mexican, you know, looking culture, cultural specific. And you see that all throughout my store. My store is very colorful. The products I carry are very colorful. They're very fun. It's nothing I would not wear myself. So my personality is being shown in my store and it's still very much the brand that I've always had since the beginning. Yep. All right, Claire, I have one last question for you. Can you tell me what it means to you to be a maker? Oh, what does it mean to be a maker? Um, I would have to say you're just creative all the time. Whether you're making something for your home that can be shown off as decor or, I mean, even cooking for your kids, you're, you're, you're still making and being creative in your, in your meals. Um, I, I don't know. That just almost sounds like a silly response, but being a maker is you're always making something, you know, um, even in, in the storefront, I'm still allowed to be creative in my storefront by the way I display the items, by the way I show off the mannequins, uh, by the way I'm painting everything and just the layout. So even though I'm not doing what people have always known me to do and be, it's you can still see Clara throughout the whole store. Uh, so I think to what it means to me to be a maker overall is you just never stop. You always have those wheels churning in every part of your, your life and your business, if you have one, of always creating and being a creator and a, just a creative person in general. Yeah. I have to follow that up with one more question. I lied. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> what is being a maker allowed you to do? Oh, my gosh. Well, I think you know the answer. It's allowed me to be able to quit my corporate job, which we all know can be hell for for us sometimes. And, you know, I don't want to take away from the fact that AT&T blessed me for many, many years. I mean, I didn't go to college. I was, you know, very blessed to be able to start out at age 19 and stay with them for 17 years and have full coverage for, you know, all my children. Um but it has allowed me to quit my job, uh, open up my storefront, um, and also be with my kids and decide if I'm, if I'm going to be open or closed for the day or shift my hours because I've got a kid's appointment that I forgot about the day before, you know. So it's allowed me to be home with my family and be my own boss and not be in that office drama that, you know, none of us miss and um, financial freedom, you know, knowing that if something comes up like my kitchen, I don't have to finance it. I don't have to borrow money. Um, you know, grateful that things like that, that pop up, you know, I'm able to pay for in full because of the hard work that we put into our own businesses. That's awesome. All right. That's it. Thank you, Clara. Thanks, Damon. And for having me, I appreciate it. Yeah. Any, any last words for him? Uh, sure. Just keep kicking butt and don't give up. Even when it looks like it's going nowhere or you feel like a failure, um, you know, surround yourself with friends that are going to tell you, no, you're not. The fact that you're just getting up every day and attempting something in your business or your dream, you're, you know, you fail when you don't try, put it that way. Yeah. Since you mentioned that, how long did it take you to get from quitting AT&T to today? It's going to be four years that I officially resigned and quit in um, August, but it was a period of a year 
um, from when, you know, God told me you need to quit and I had to get out of my own way to when I actually quit. It was a full year before I said, okay, I need to stop being disobedient. Yeah. So it didn't happen overnight. No, um, it definitely did not happen overnight. And I think that's what people need to remember, Damon, is a lot of us don't quit just to quit. We're like, we're being careful also by making sure our side hustle is out earning the main hustle consistently. And we're walking away with some type of a cushion or an assurance like this business is taking off. Imagine what I could do when I put, you know, 40 hours into it versus, you know, what a full-time job is taking from the side, the side hustle. So yeah, I, it, it proved itself over time before I quit. All right. Thanks, Clara. Thanks, Damon.